I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 151, in which I'm playing with Lancaster toys. And I am recording this on Sunday, March 23rd, 2014. Supposedly, we have now seen the beginning of spring, but it is, of course, snowing outside. Um, Well, it was, anyway. It seems to have stopped now. But for the next week, we're supposed to kind of keep getting snow on and off, which is... Not unusual for this neck of the woods. Wish it was a little bit warmer, but we tend not to really see spring reliably until May. Um, In any case, that is not what this podcast is about. Um, I have a few announcements to make, then a Sandy update, and then I've actually got a book review to share with you during this episode. So the first announcement is um, that my 2014 Quilty Resolutions first quarter check-in blog post did go live this morning. Um, remember, if you made Quilty Resolutions a so few weeks back now, two, three weeks ago, I posted the link to the spreadsheet in my blog. Uh, you'll have to dig back through and find it. I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep uh, my whole Uh, posting of this podcast a little bit minimal this afternoon because I'm kind of feeling under the weather. So I'm just trying to get it done (laughs) and and hopefully not wear myself out doing it. Uh, But in any case, I did post the list a few weeks back. Um, On the right-hand side of my blog, I believe, is a tag cloud. And somewhere in there, it should say Quilty Resolutions. And if you click on that, you should find the blog post in which I posted the spreadsheet, hopefully. Um, In any case, the check-in blog post did go live this morning, so that would be easy for you to find if you're listening to this as it is posted. There are, um, there's a couple of ways to enter, but it's all through the raffle copter widget that you see right on the blog. Everybody who is entering in the giveaway goes through that raffle copter uh, widget. Um, If you leave a comment on the blog, you need to remember to go into raffle copter and and click where it says leave a comment on the blog and make sure that gets entered. Um, you leave your comment normally on my blog the way you always would, but then go in and use the Rafflecopter um, widget to prove that you have done so. Uh, if you are a blogger, there is also a linky party, and you will see the link for that on um, below the Rafflecopter wi- widget. Just for to reassure all of you non-bloggers, uh, linking up does not warrant another entry into the giveaway. That's just for fun. That's just for anybody who wants to blog about their uh, resolutions progress and wants to link up. Um, both of those, both the Rafflecopter and the Linky Party, end on Saturday, March 29th, uh, 2014, at midnight Eastern Standard Time or one minute after midnight on Sunday morning. I don't remember when I actually scheduled it, uh, but I will then be drawing winners on Sunday, March 30th before my next podcast episode. Also, if you did not participate in my official 2014 Quilty Resolutions, but you have Quilty Resolutions of your own, you are still more than welcome to to um, play along. Just, again, leave a comment 
or uh, leave a comment definitely about your progress in order to enter the, enter the giveaway. And then if you're a blogger, you can also join up with the Linky Party. Now, that's not the only giveaway on our horizon. That's going on this week and ends on Sunday. And then on Sunday, I start next week's giveaway, which is in celebration of my four-year podcast anniversary. My first episode ever was posted on March 28th, 2010. And so I'm missing my actual anniversary by a couple of days. But unfortunately, because I had the first quarter check-in followed about the same time, I kind of had to decide which one was going to come first. So I'm doing that one first. And then I'm celebrating my podcast anniversary a couple of days late. Um, that one... I've got a couple of even better giveaways, but I'm I'm waiting until I post the blog entry to actually come clean about <laughs> what those giveaways are. But definitely watch for that one to go live next Sunday, and that will also last a week. Um, and in the midst of all my giveaways, don't forget about Daisy's giveaway. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, I posted an announcement recorded by our dear Daisy herself. She has her birthday UFO-related giveaway. Um, and that's at her podcast and blog at ldq.outlandishthreads.com. So make sure you check that out. Now, Sandy update. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about my Lancaster trip in this podcast because I've already blogged about it. I did two, three posts worth of a report with all sorts of photos and all sorts of good stuff going on in those blogs. So if you haven't read those, um, that's how you're going to find out about my Lancaster trip. Um, the most notable moment, of course, was being able to have two, count them, two different meetups with listeners, which was a lot of fun. And there are pictures on a couple of different blog posts related to Lancaster because they happened on two different days. It was really fun to meet with Julie, Judy, Jill, and Sarah on one day. Um, and I had so much fun saying that, meeting with the three J's and an S. And then Tori and Nicole and Nicole's daughter on the second day. And like I said, there's pictures up there. It was a lot of fun being able to put real human beings with um, Twitter handles and email addresses, <laughs> as always. So thank you to Julie, Judy, Jill, Sarah, Tori, Nicole, and Nicole's daughter for taking time out of your schedules to come find me and to get to know each other. We, we did really enjoy it. And um, like I said, I posted pictures and talked about those on the blog, too. I have been working this week since I've been home on hand-stitching my stupendous stitching project. I've made pretty good progress, um, largely because of a book that I will be reviewing later in this episode. I still have a ways to go, though, because it's not just a matter of the actual hand-stitching. It's also trying to figure out what I'm going to stitch in which part. So, um you know, there's often two, three days that kind of go between me sitting down and working on it, partly because I'm not entirely sure what I want to do next. But I have made good progress. Um, I can actually kind of see the end in sight, I think. So I'm hoping maybe by next weekend I'll have at least all of the creation done and then it'll just be a matter of figuring out how I'm going to finish it off. I finally got into my dye studio this weekend and got a fair amount of hand dyeing done. Um, partly because I was itching to use some of my new dyes. That was um, part of my toys from Lancaster that I was playing with this week. Um, I did decide to redo some of the gradations that I did in Frida Anderson's class. And I talk about that, I, I think, in a blog post I just put out last night. Um, basically, I really enjoyed Frida's class and I did have great fabrics out of it. But um, 
it wasn't a controlled enough environment for me to be able to really take good notes and be able to feel confident about saving snippets for my files with the recipes and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just basically going through that. I don't know that I will do all four again. I did the first one. I'll probably do the second one, which is just the first one in a pastel version. Um, but then I've got two other sets of red, green, and uh, yellow, I'm sorry, red, yellow, and blue dyes that I want to do a gradation from each just to see what the difference is. And then, of course, the possibilities are limitless because I can mix, mix up and use any red, any yellow, and any blue to get the same gradations. But I'm kind of trying to stick to sort of uh, similar color temperatures. I, I don't know. And I don't even know if I can say that because a couple of these dyes are new to me. Um, so even though it's kind of a basic blue, I don't really know exactly what that means when it comes to this particular dye. And you know how it works. Sure, I've got a, a sheet that has all, you know, little swatches of all of the dyes. But until you actually use it, you don't actually really know what it looks like. So um, that's pretty much what I'm going to be doing dye-wise over the next few weeks. I did, of course, throw a few more baby clothes in there for my great-niece. Because, um, you know, babies do grow. So some of the stuff I did for her before she was born, she's now on the edge of outgrowing. So I'm doing some new onesies for her and some really cute little caps, bamboo caps, um, hats, if you can't hear that coming through the podcast, H-A-T-S-C-A-P-S. Uh, so I'm just kind of playing with a couple of different dyes and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Wrapping techniques. One I've got wrapped up with rubber bands. So you get the spiral kind of effect. And then another set of a onesie and a cap I am ice dyeing. Um, so that'll be fun to see how that uh, plays out. And then I've got some stuff for myself I'm also dyeing in addition to the gradations. I've got a couple of um, bamboo socks, actually. And a, uh, oh, it's a big cotton, can't remember what it's called, but it's uh, like a beach wrap, you know, the kind of thing you wrap around your waist over your bathing suit blanking on the name right now again a little under the weather but I'm also ice dyeing one of those for me uh partly again so I could play with some of my new dyes and those are all things the the bamboo socks and the baby clothes and the the whatever that wrap is called I've actually had for a while and just haven't gotten around to actually dyeing it so it feels good to kind of be moving that stuff through the cycle now um and then I just prepped some more fabrics to get ready for more gradations later this week. So I'm going to be kind of trying to cycle stuff through pretty regularly. Um, I had hoped to be able to rinse out the stuff that I've already got in dye baths today, but we're in the midst of doing laundry. And my stationary tub does not do well doing laundry and having dye stuff dumped down at the same time. It's not a matter of staining. It's a matter of water volume going down the stationary tub all at once, which has to do with where our stationary tub is placed and the fact that it actually has to pump the water up and out of the house. So anyway, um, I've learned that generally when we're doing a wash, it's best for me to just not run anything down other than, you know, a quick rinse um, down the stationary tub basement. So I may not get to actually rinsing anything until tomorrow. And honestly, it's, it's kind of safer to just leave it in the dye bath until I'm ready to rinse it than it is to partially rinse it and then still having it sit before you can rinse it thoroughly. All that's more information than what you probably really need to know. The other thing I'm hoping to get to this afternoon, um, if I feel like I've got enough brain power, is I still have some work to do on my string star that I made in Ami Sims class with the African fabrics. I am really pleased with the way it's turned out. Um, I have all the blocks done. I got all the blocks done in class. 
but now I've got to kind of just trim up and square up the blocks a little bit and um, not much. They seem to be pretty good, but I do have to just check everything and then sew all the blocks together. Now, Jay had left a comment on my blog post about that, asking about the size of the the quilt, the string star, and whether that's just one of blocks she was having problems getting a sense of scale from the picture I posted. To answer that, that is the wall hanging pretty much. It's just got one very narrow border of the same background flat fabric. So you sort of float the string star in the middle of the quilt and then a border. I think, I haven't measured it, but I, if I remember from what Ami Sims said, I think the center with just the blocks without those extra borders measures somewhere around 30 to 33 inch square. And then of course the border. So it's not gonna be a huge um, wall hanging. Um, it's it's going to be just a nice size, and I'm again I'm really pleased with the way it's looking so far. I just need to get those uh, the the blocks pieced together and the couple of borders on, and then figure out what I'm doing for quilting. Um, but I've actually been kind of studying some examples, and I think I've got some ideas of how I might quilt it. I want to keep it fairly simple because it is I I'm pretty sure now, but I'm glad mostly with the way it's turned out so far. I think it is going to be a gift um, once I get the border done. <laughs> I'll then be able to fully decide that. Um, so, but it's a gift I'd like to get given pretty soon. So I'm not going to do any real complex quilting. And and honestly, I don't really want to detract from the fun of the African fabrics either with really complex quilting. So um, that's just something I'm going to be plugging away at over the next couple of weeks. Um, my goal is to have that done uh, before I get Scrappitude and Disappearing Pinwheel back um, I believe I talked about this before I left for Lancaster. I managed to get both my Scrappitude quilt and my Disappearing Pinwheel to the um, long arm quilter at my local quilt shop right before I left for Lancaster. So it's been about two weeks now. It'll probably be another two. It's usually somewhere between five and six weeks before I hear back from them, but this is sort of an off time of year, so they may get to it a little bit more quickly, and they're both just um, all over design, you know, pantographs, so neither of them is going to be a complex quilting thing. So I'm trying to keep myself working away at these other UFOs I want to try to get done before those two come back to me for me to get to binding them, etc. Um, just as a side note, this weekend I did, I had been reading the book Divergent, which the movie just came out. Um, my daughter had asked me or had told me a while back, several months ago, she had given me her physical book copy of it and had said she thought I would like it because she knew I really liked Hunger Games and it was kind of a similar idea. And I didn't get around to reading it, frankly, because it was a physical book. <laughs> and I am just so thoroughly Kindle oriented now. And it's a big book, too that every time I, I would pick it up and I'd think about trying to balance that on my lap while I was reading at night, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. So I finally just ponied up and bought it for Kindle and it wasn't that expensive. I think I got it for like four bucks or something at the time. Um, I don't like it as well as Hunger Games, the book. I mean, I, I enjoyed both Hunger Games, the trilogy, the written book, as well as the movie. I liked the book better than the movie, but I thought they did a pretty good job with the movie. Um, I don't know that I'm going to bother to go see the movie of Divergent. I'll probably wait until it's out on, you know, cable or Netflix or something and watch it then. Um, I like the book. I, I read Divergent. I finished Divergent this weekend, and then I sat and read Insurgent, which is the second book in the series, this morning, because, um, like I said, I wasn't feeling great. So I decided, you know, it's been a long time since I've just sat and read for a morning. And so I allowed myself to do that and 
plowed through the whole book. You know, they are young adult novels, so they don't take a whole long time to read. Um, but, you know, and I'll probably start the third third in the trilogy, Allegiant, tonight. Um, but like I said, I'm, I'm not really hankering to go see the movie. I'm, I'm enjoying the books, but they're not... Eh. I really, 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 really liked Hunger Games. I thought she did a fantastic job dealing with the psychological damage that that, that world was um, wreaking on the kids. The Divergent series kind of approaches some of that, you know, the same way. She really does have some of that. Maybe it's because I've already read Hunger Games, so this isn't feeling quite as original. Um, it's just not grabbing me quite as much, but it is, you know, it's still a pretty good trilogy. So if you've been hearing people talk about Divergent um, and the, the whole trilogy, yeah, I would say go ahead and read it. It's 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 not challenging. It's good. It's not fantastic but it is good in my opinion um like i said i'm just not sure i'm gonna bother going to see see the movie in the theaters probably not something i will pay money to do unless my daughter comes home by surprise for a weekend and we end up seeing it together then I, i might go see it um so that's just a side note about some reading all right i did want to highlight i also in my morning this morning, part of me not feeling well was I got up at like quarter of five this morning. I just couldn't sleep anymore. and But I also was not feeling up to doing anything else. So I sat and read some quilt magazines I've had sitting around for a while and finally got through them all. And I just wanted to highlight um, Quilter's Newsletter, February-March issue, had some great-looking hand-dyed yarns in their staff picks section. And these hand-dyed yarns are from where else? Australia. (laughs) And they're from a place called Cottage Garden Threads. And I'm highlighting that because I've been talking, you know, about how hard it is for me to find really interesting yarn to use as embellishment and anything less than a whole skein of it. And uh, Cottage Garden Threads had smaller bunches of this beautiful hand-dyed yarn. Um, It wasn't so much art yarn. In other words, at least what they were picturing in the magazine wasn't the kind of lumpy, bumpy, fun, fuzzy, kind of unique type of yarns, but the colors were gorgeous. Um, So that's something I'm definitely going to be looking on a website for. Again, Cottage Garden Threads. Um, Quilter Magazine, April, May 2014, had a nice little one-page article that made me think of y'all because I had talked about this back... um, when I was talking about the quilty resolutions that you all made for 2014, if you are deciding to clean out your stash, Quilter Magazine had a nice little one-page article on places to consider donating fabric to. Um, I don't feel right about reading you the article or the, the names from it because that's, you know, that's why they're selling their magazine and I don't want to, um, not make you buy their magazine. Uh, there there were a couple of places I was not aware of, um, so it wasn't just all the same places that y'all was here. Uh, so if you're in a quilt shop or in Joann's or wherever else they might carry the Quilter magazine, you might want to check that out again. That's the April-May 2014 article. And that same magazine does also mention that there is going to be a special exhibit of the Pilgrim Roy Collection of Antique Quilts being held at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston from April 6th through July 27. You might recognize the name Gerald Roy. He often writes articles based on quilts in the collection, I believe. Is it in the Fonz and Porter magazine, maybe? Um, He's got a regular article in one of the magazines, and I don't remember which, uh, but it's a well-known name. 
And I'm just kind of bummed that I have no call to be in Boston during that stretch. And in fact, that's kind of a busy travel stretch for me. So it's not likely I'm going to be sliding a trip to Boston in. But those of you who live anywhere near Boston, you might want to make a point. Again, that's at the Museum of Fine Arts, a special exhibit of the Pilgrim Roy Collection of Antique Quilts. I think it said something like 60 some odd quilts will be hung. And that's going to be April 6th through July 27th. Okay, my book review. This is a book that I got in Lancaster. Well, actually, technically, I didn't get it in Lancaster. I got it at Burkholder Fabrics, which again, thank you to all the listeners. And I heard from several of you that I needed to go see uh, Burkholder's Fabrics, and we did get there on Saturday on our way home. And my friend Katie, who is so, so good at spending my money, looked at me from across the store. I hear my name, Sandy, did you see this? And she's holding up this book. And I was like, oh, really? No, bring it here. Let me see it. And of course, then I ended up buying it. You all complain about me spending your money. Katie is the best at spending mine. Um, The book is called Creative Stitching, and it's by Seuss Bargo. The tagline is how to create vivid, lively textures using 50 of my favorite stitches. Um, It's a little bit of a pricier book. It's $32. I paid $32 for it in the store. It's $32 on her website, and I believe it was also $32 on Amazon because I did the, you know, not altogether nice thing of standing in the store scanning the the book and to see if I could get it cheaper on Amazon. I normally try, you know, I, I often will choose to buy a book in a bookstore or in a quilt shop just to support the shop. But in this case, I was spending other money there as well but as it turned out I couldn't get it cheaper so I went ahead and bought it from the store um if you're not familiar with the name Sue Spargo she does a lot of folk style applique quilts and patterns she does a lot of work in felted wool um I like a lot of her stuff I've never done one of her specific designs that I can remember in felted wool um but I've often admired them and I have to say, I own several embroidery stitch books now, but this one is, it really immediately felt like it was going to be more useful to me because it's a style of embroidery that I actually use more often. My other embroidery stitch books, I'm often trying to translate these finely detailed, really pretty, fancy embroidery that's done with skinny little flosses. And I'm using heavier pearl cotton, um, heavier fabrics, and I'm trying to translate how is this stitch going to work when I'm using this, you know, honking big needle. (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. And I also like to do things that are more freeform. Um, This book is excellent for that. It starts out with great information about needles and threads. She goes through a lot of the different threads that she uses, tips for where different kinds of threads are um, more effective, matching needle to thread, all of that kind of thing. And, And frankly, here I thought I was pretty big on threads and yarns and stuff now, but even her book mentioned several I'd never heard of. Uh, you know, of course, that's just adding to the obsession. But um, she does also have a page about beading, and then a whole section of the stitches um, towards the back are about stitching with beads. And I will also say a lot of the stitches I had never actually seen before. And it's more, a lot of books I have seen will show you like one stitch, and then I'll show you a bunch of different shapes you can do with that stitch, which is helpful. But this book actually had a lot of different actual stitches. Um so the, the stitch sections then include, and I'm reading these straight off of the table of contents, outline stitches. There's a section on outline stitches, and that's running stitches, couching, and, and it's a variety of types of running stitches included, like a threaded running stitch and all that kind of stuff. So kind of creative tweaks on some of the basics. 
A section is called textural fillers, and this is things like seed stitches and other types of things that you just kind of fill in space with in interesting ways. Another section is linear filler and outline stitches, and this section includes things like herringbone stitches. Um, another, sti another section is called cast on and wrap stitches. Those of you who are knitters recognize those terms. And this includes something like the French knot, but then also a lot of other variations on that, where you're actually wrapping the thread around the needle before you put the needle back through the, the th um, fabric. And a, a bunch of variations there. Uh, circular stitches, decorative edging stitches, and dimensional stitches. Those are the final three, well, three other sections, and then the, sec the section on beading. Um, the book is filled, just filled with fantastic pictures of how she's used each of these stitches in her own work and step-by-step -step, very well illustrated directions for each stitch. I have not had any problems figuring out how to do any of the stitches that she does because her directions are so well done. Another really nice thing about the book is it is spiral bound so it's easy to lay flat on your lap while you're working with the um, the stitching in your hand so you can keep going back to it. You know, you can flip the back around so you've only got one part in front of you instead of the whole book open in front of you. Uh, that's just a fantastic thing, and that's part of the reason why it's so expensive. Spiral bound is expensive, but boy, it is nice to have. Now, I know you can go get your books spiral bound yourself at Staples, but you know what? I, I'd just as soon buy it spiral bound so I don't have to take the time to run up to Staples and have it done. Sometimes time is important. <laughs> so that's one thing I, I really did like about this book. I like the way it's organized. I like the way it's laid out and designed. There's plenty of white space even in the instructions so you don't feel like you're trying to dig through content to figure out where you left off with the last stitch, all that kind of thing. It's just really nicely done. Um, it also includes an alphabetical list of stitches at the end, so it's very quick reference. Um, I've only owned it for a week. I've already used two or three stitches from the book on my stupendous stitching project. A couple of them I used straight up, and then one I just kind of looked at, and it inspired my own variation on it that fit better into the space I was working on. Um, I, I love this book. I really love this book. This is probably the first um, hand-stitching type book in a while that... I have been able to really sit down and use several things right away from it. Um, so I do highly recommend this if you are doing more folk style or more um, art quilt style stitching. I think you will find this a very, very useful book. I will put a link to it on Sue Spargo's um, where it's listed in her store on the show notes to this episode. Um, again, you can also get it through Amazon, but you don't save any money doing it that way. So I would encourage you, if you can, to actually buy it from her directly um, and or, you know, buy it at a quilt shop or whatever if you see it there. So again, that is Creative Stitching by Sue Spargo. All right, I'm going to do some listener feedback because it's been a couple of weeks. I'm going to pause for a second while I dig up my emails. I'll be back. Okay, first on my Lancaster Report blogs, parts one, two, and three, I want to say thank you to Susan for your comment, and I'm so sorry that you weren't able to be with us for our meetups since you don't live that far away, but it would have been nice to have met you maybe next time. I'll probably be back eventually. Thank you to Christy and your kudos on my background choice. Thank you to Diane and Jennifer and Kathy, Jean, 
and Kati. Oh, by the way, Kati was a little bit worried when I was tweeting that I had wet hand-dyed fabrics in my car traveling home from Lancaster, and she was concerned that they better be sealed tight. And actually, yeah, I had nothing spilled over into the car. And in fact, we were very careful about the way we packed so that even if something had spilled, it would not have disastrous results. But um, we did have everything tied and sealed pretty tightly. Um, it was more in within the bags themselves that, that I had problems, but I already talked about my dislike of Ziploc baggies on my blog. Um, so thank you, Cotty, for your comment and for your concern. Thank you to Marianne and another Marianne and Jess. And Jess says she is more of a knitter than a quilter. And Jess, you are forgiven. Um, she says she's seriously jealous of all the pre-made gorgeousness that quilters get to start with. Although we've got beautiful yarns over in knitting land, she says. And yes, you do. And Jess, if you want to send me any of your really funky yarn scraps, I've talked about that in previous episodes. Um, I am a willing recipient. And in fact, if you know any art quilters, um, any of you knitters who know any art quilters or anybody that likes to do funky things, um, ask them if they would like your yarn scraps. Because like I've said in previous episodes, I do not like buying buying a whole skein of yarn just to use 18 inches of it. Um Let's see. Oh, lots of people on blog three on Lancaster Report Part Three did get my joke about the sheep, <laughs> even though the vendor did not. Um, and Ozzie Pip, who is Australian her said, herself, said, "Oh dear, an Australian without a sense of humor. That is sad." But we are a diverse race, just like all countries. But still, I'd have laughed. I did laugh. There was there in my little world. And she says, "Glad you liked his accent, mind you." I say, "What accent?" <laughs> I have to say, isn't it funny you never think you have an accent until somebody else tells you you do have one? Um, Jackie thought it was entertaining that I have Mary Ellen's Best Press in Unscented only by me, and she has a hard time finding it by her. Um, yeah, I don't know why nobody carries the really pretty, smelly, nice. They they carry the scented ones in the smaller bottles, but not in the big jugs. Um, and I'm very happy to have my Cherry Blossom scented one. And thank you. Let's see, I'm not repeating names for people who commented multiple times on multiple blogs. Um, I want to say thank you to Lolly, who sent me um, pictures. And I don't think I already talked about this in a previous episode. Sometimes if I have to skip a week of um, of quilter, of comments, listener comments, I get a little confused what I might have already talked about and what I didn't. But she was responding to my episode about lighting in her studio and sent me a lot of pictures of the lighting in her studio, which is really to be envied. Um, nice bright windows and a lot of lights. It looks like they're basically the same concept as the lights I have in my sewing room. They are can lighting with natural light. Um, they're just a little bit different shape than what I've got. Uh, so thank you, Lolly, for that. And uh, let's see... <laughs> I had talked about not having a name yet for my Scrapitude quilt. I think it was Scrapitude. And Nancy said I should just name it Gorgeous because it is. Thank you so much, Nancy. <laughs> and I appreciate that. I will probably, however, come up with um, something more fitting to my home or my experience doing it. I don't know yet. We'll see when I get it back. Um, Trish emailed me and talked about a store that she had found in Cincinnati, Ohio, where they do sell bags of scraps of yarn um, for up to two fifty a bag. It's actually, I think they're attached to a weaving school or something, and the weavers bag up whatever they're not using, you know, what they their remnants at the end. Um, 
and she gave me the link. It's Silk Road Textiles in Cincinnati, Ohio, and that the website is silkroadcincinnati.com. If I remember to, I'll put that in the show notes to my episode. And as soon as I got her message, I did go right on their website, and they have gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. Um, and they also have um, some really wonderful things like uncarded sari yarn, yarn made from Indian saris, that was just lovely, just lovely. So once I'm sort of done recovering from my Lancaster spending, I will likely be, I've bookmarked the page, so I'm going to be likely going back there. So if any of you are also looking for really interesting yarns to use as embellishments, you will want to try out Silk Road Cincinnati. And it did also make me think, I really probably just need to become friends with some other weavers and spinners and such who might be willing to give me bags of remnants just from the kindness of their hearts. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm I'm really into this whole yarn embellishment thing now. Once I'm done with this stupendous stitching project, I've got some ideas of other things I might do as well. Um, thank you. I did actually have a lot of comments, but several of you commented several times, so I did not repeat your names each time. I really appreciate that. I've also gotten some comments on um, my episode with... Oh, I, I'm sorry. I did get more comments than that. I just found that I didn't scroll far enough. I want to say thank you to Claire for emailing me, who was wondering about Fitbit, and I'm hoping she's gotten it now. Um, I was trying to talk her into joining us in our Fitbit use. Many of us on Twitter... Um, are also Fitbit users, and we've got a community right on the Fitbit website. Hmm, Quiltcast Fitbitters? Is that what, we've, what we're called? I don't remember. Um, so thank you, Claire, and, and do a friend us when you have gotten your Fitbit. Um, I did want to say also thank you to Eileen, who also made the pinwheel disappearing pinwheel block from Missouri Star and sent me pictures. She um, tweaked hers up a little bit with sizing. Um and she actually, did she make two of them? Yes, she made two of them. And she is donating them to, sorry, my email just uh, froze up. So I'm, there we go. Um, they're going to her veterans hospital uh, near where she lives. So thank you for those photos, Eileen. I do love getting photos. And uh, let's see, already commented. Thank you to Ms. Lottie. And she says, um, She's hoping I managed to eat during my full-on weekend, which was uh, the weekend before I went for Lancaster where I got a lot done. She says it doesn't seem like you could have squeezed much more in. Um, <laughs> and she appreciates my choice of names on Daisy's quilt top. I called it Daisy's Grace because, if I recall, the pattern for the quilt was called State of Grace. And she's going to enter Daisy's UFO giveaway, so good luck on that. Um, thank you to Maureen and Pradima, who said I am pronouncing her name correctly. I appreciate that. And um, they already commented. And oh, I did want to reference Marianne, um, who had commented on an earlier one. So I was about not to repeat her name. But she said, uh, just a comment on your rant about the ruler. And that's the June Taylor uh, shape cut ruler with the slots that I went off on an episode not too long ago about. She says, I haven't used one, but a well-respected teacher who is a member of my guild just loves that ruler and recommends it often, so I was confused about your dislike. Then this weekend on a quilt retreat, I saw a friend using it, and she said she loved it. 
the teacher recommends holding another ruler on top and close to, but not on, your cutting line. The second ruler gives stability to the bottom ruler and keeps the thin plastic from bending to give you a more accurate cutting line. If you haven't tossed it out yet, you may want to give this a try. This just goes to show different people have different experiences with different tools. Um, the ruler system, I use Creative Grids rulers, and I just love them. Ami Sims in our class can't stand them. She was having more problems using them because she's used to Omnigrid, uh, Omnigrid rulers. That's what she's always used. Um, I used to use Omnigrids. I chose to use Creative Grids. I prefer them. Different people respond well to different tools. So just because I hate the shape cut myself <laughs> does not mean everybody would. Um, and, you know, I believe I said that even when I went off on the rant, uh, this is just my experience with it. And several other people have said they have the same problem with it. So you're going to find camps. There are going to be people who love it, people who hate it. Um, I'm in the, the camp of probably won't use it again unless I use it for, I believe, was it Jackie who said she uses it for the to make the fleece, the fringe on the fleece quilts, the tied fleece blankets. Um, that's a possible way, but I'm also not sure I want to use, keep a big old ruler that takes a lot of storage space up around for something I might do once every couple of years. I don't make a lot of those fleece quilts. So anyway, I'm not going to go off on that again. Um, and thank you too. Okay, I did get a few comments on the episode with gradation with Jay. Uh, Christy put a link to a um, photo in her Flickr um, uh, what's it called? Stream, photo stream, about her example of gradation. So please go look at the comments on episode 150 show notes on my um, Quilting for the Rest of Us website to find her link. Charlotte also said uh, she wants to re-listen to that episode while she has notes in front of her. And Engineer Sandy also left a couple of links to Flickr photos of where she has um, color. One has color gradation and the other one has color and size gradation in a Bargello quilt. So definitely go to the show notes for episode 150 in which I talk gradation with Jay. Um, oh, Diane, somebody tweeted me a photo of something with gradation. And I'm sorry I didn't send it to my email file so I'd have reference to it. Whoever that was, make sure you post a comment with the link if you can manage to do that so that other people can see it as well. Thank you. Um, uh, let's see. I already answered Jay's question. And a lot of people had comments about me having to sleep on an air mattress. Actually, we rotated off, all three of us. And my friend Lori got it twice because we were there four nights. So God bless Lori for sleeping on the air mattress twice. Um, and that's it for listener feedback. So thank you everybody for leaving your comments. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know how you can get a hold of me. I will have an episode next week, unless something untoward happens. And again, make sure you check my blog for the, uh, Quilty Resolutions check-in and also keep an eye out for next week's blog post with my fourth podcast anniversary. So um, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, thank you for reading the blog. Thank you for tweeting to me. It's always a lot of fun. Thank you to those listeners again who found time to actually meet up with me in Lancaster and many happy meetup returns. Um, if you want to be in touch with me, you know how to get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com. You can find me on 
Flickr and Pinterest and Twitter and Goodreads, all of those places. I'm Sandy Quilt, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog by email. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you can find links for all of those things at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. Until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Bye.